welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you, big boys in the sky. We are back here. It's time to break down the Southeastern Conference for our win totals uh, season preview series. If you have not gone back to listen to everything else, whether it's the Pac-12, the Big 12, uh, the ACC, the Big 10, now's the time for you to do it. Now's the time for you to to play catch-up. you got a big trip coming up. Uh, This is nothing but five-star audio quality coming to you. Barton Simmons. Uh, the SEC ahead of us. This is uh, what did you have any any takeaways just in general across the conference or anything that stood out as we went through this uh, this exercise that we've had a lot of fun with this year? Uh, big takeaways. Gosh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I feel like that this is probably like three or four team top tier, and then a lot of and then a lot of just sort of not not mediocre that's not the word i'm looking for but a lot of teams that that are are on on a similar plane and and probably i guess here's my takeaway as much turnover as there was in the sec at the, uh, on the coaching carousel last year and it's hard to imagine that there'll be more this year i think there will be some disappointing seasons that have some people very frustrated mm. i came up with a lot of unders you did, yeah. I see, I haven't, I haven't seen the number. Uh, seen that's number. right. I'm okay, blind here, so I don't know where I'm, a lot of overs, a lot of unders, or what. But I got my wins mapped out. I got the, I, I have the entire conference scheduled out, tallied up. I, I know exactly the way this season is going to go in the SEC. All right, uh, let's jingle it up and get into it. As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even. Count them up. I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are gonna win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. We begin with the Alabama Crimson Tide, the defending national champions. As you might expect, Barton, they do have a high win total. Uh, it is set, according to the Westgate, on its opening number at 11. 11. And so let me give you some stats before we dive into you know what we're going to see from Alabama, where in the schedule the losses might come. Alabama has only finished the regular season undefeated, because remember, we're, we're sitting here picking regular season win totals. Alabama has only finished the regular season 12-0 three times under Nick Saban. 2008... They lost to Florida in the SEC championship game. 2009, they go on to win the BCS National Championship against Texas. And 2016, a season where they ended up losing in the National Championship game uh, against Clemson. It's only three times they've gone undefeated. And they've had one SEC loss in seven of the last eight years. 2016, as I mentioned, being the only one there. So I ask you, Barton Simmons, do you have the Alabama Crimson Tide taking a single loss or two on this schedule. 12 and 0 baby. Yeah, I'm pushed to over. Where 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 is the loss? At LSU, that's all I could come up with. 
that's a very real possibility. Uh, and look, I mean, I think it's just it's the last four weeks or, you know, three of the last four weeks. At LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn, I think, are all losable. I don't see another losable game on the schedule. So it's a little bit like the Clemson deal where because the uh, you know Alabama's got weak cross-conference matchups with Ole Miss and Missouri and Tennessee, I mean, all those are down. So when you look at just the – this, and then the non-conference is Louisville, who they're going to crush. And then obviously they got their, their layups in Louisiana and, and the Citadel. So I think because like, I don't think that this is just sort of an across-the-board Alabama is going to go undefeated this year, regardless of schedule. They're just that good. I just like if they're in the Big Ten East, I don't I don't think they're undefeated. I wouldn't have picked them undefeated. Right. They'll they'll get picked off somewhere along the way. But because they're in the SEC and because they're cross-conference games aren't that like they don't play Florida they don't play even South Carolina uh, and they don't play Georgia so I, I think for them to tool up for a big game against LSU Mississippi State and Auburn sort of a, a three out of four week stretch at the end of the season two of which are at home yeah and that's the other thing is like I I just I I think that Auburn like in a vacuum I'm putting Auburn above LSU. Uh, and, right. and above Mississippi State too, but I mean, is is Nick Saban really going to lose to Auburn two years in a row, especially with the second year in a row being in Tuscaloosa? I just, right. I, I, no way. And especially too, when you consider that Alabama, unless they get a lot of help, they need to go undefeated. Like this is they they gotta they have to be in that SEC championship game. Um, now I guess they could you know they could they could absorb a a loss. And as long as they still make it to the SEC championship game, they could get a win over Georgia or whoever and and probably still have a pretty good shot. But there's no given that if you trip up somewhere along the way and you don't make it to the the championship game like last year, they, that you'll get into the, the playoffs. Like it's a it's a much bigger gamble because you don't have that non conference signature win. So I just think that this team needs to go undefeated. I think it will go undefeated. And, and here's what's exciting to me about this Alabama team is I think this could be a very different Alabama team than any Alabama team we've seen under Nick Saban. I think it, this could be an offense-driven team. I think it should be an offense-driven team. Right, but the, and that's where the, the challenge is. Um, you know, How many times have we seen uh, a full closet of toys not necessarily all get brought out into the playroom when it's yes. Alabama? And and I think part of that is because they don't need to usually. Their defense is so good and that it's just like Nick Saban feels like, look, we're gonna we're gonna do what we have to do to win. We're not just gonna we're not here to entertain, we're here to win. And I think this year we'll see. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see how quickly the defense bounces back. They lose their entire secondary. Uh, you know, now they've lost Terrell Lewis one of their best edge rushers to injury. Uh, it, it can. I just think that they will. there will be a necessity to use the toys. And man, there's a lot of toys. I know. It's two, so two is, good. Two, two is going to start, all right? right? If Tua doesn't start, then all bets are off on that 12-0 deal because then I don't – then I just – I've lost I've, – I've lost common – 
thoughts with Nick Saban here. <laughs> like, I, then I, don't, I don't understand the process he's going through. But Tua will start. And Damian Harris, I think, is, is one of the most underappreciated backs in college football. And he might not even be the best back on the roster. There's like three others that, that could compete for that title. Their, run, their, their receiving core is silly good. Uh, their offensive line is, is almost all back. Um, and, and so, I mean, I just think offensively, like, there's no reason why this Alabama team isn't the best Alabama offense we've seen, certainly under Nick Saban. Dude, forget that. I think there were Alabama shit, like, Alabama on paper, you know, like, placed into a video game. Like, but Alabama's personnel led by Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma's offense would put up 50 points a game. Like, yeah. I mean, just... Uh, conservatively. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like how... Like, that would be so fun to see that. And I am and I just hope that Mike Loxley and Nick Saban are, are, are able to just sniff that sort of uh, visual... Uh, uh, delicacy or you know like I just I just want to watch it uh, because these guys are so exciting and so dynamic uh, so I don't know I but but I think so it, like defensively you just sort of assume they'll be good even though they got to replace a lot uh, and they will be but I just I do think that you, you can't just rely on your defense this year to totally suffocate everybody I think right. there's going to be some moments where the offense has to has to score right and and even then it's uh, again going back to looking at the schedule um, like Alabama's defense doesn't need to even in my opinion be Alabama good it just needs to be good enough to yeah. beat the opponent on the other side or to, to get enough stops and that's again uh, when, when I started digging into the numbers this is the the statistics say that Alabama is probably going to slip up in the SEC at some point. Again, they've had one SEC loss in seven of the last eight years, and they've only gone regular season undefeated three times. But I, I think this might be one of those years. So I'm going over or push to over. Yeah, and, and the and and the key point is like you mentioned. Yeah, they they usually get a loss somewhere, but I I haven't looked at the the numbers. But when was the last time they had two regular season losses? Oh, I mean, hold on. Can't, can't like, like I don't know. Hadn't been the last, not in the last five years. I mean, two thousand ten so, when uh, two, Cam Newton. Two thousand. What what year was that? Two thousand ten. Yeah, so it's been seven years since they have two losses. So you're gonna, so don't, so don't pick under. Like, <laughs> if you don't want to pick over five, then don't pick under because yeah. they're not gonna lose twice. They haven't done it in seven years, and this is an easier schedule than we're used to seeing from them. And uh, as good of an offensive roster as we've ever seen from Nick Saban's teams. Count them up! The Georgia Bulldogs, uh, SEC champions a year ago, national runner-up, loser in double overtime to those Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Their number for this year is set at ten and a half. Uh, What do you? Where are you at on uh, the Bulldogs? I I I picked. I've got them over. Ooh, I'm going under. Yeah. Do you want to go I don't, first? I don't. I don't disagree with that. Like I'm not. I'm not feeling great about. I've got them losing to Auburn as their only loss. Um. And you know, winning a close game at LSU, winning a close game against Florida. Because like, there's this is another one where I I grant that South Carolina could upset them in week two. I am and Missouri. 
I was Missouri like, could too. I was like at South Carolina, at Missouri, at LSU. I think that they beat Auburn, but they might not beat Auburn. And so if I'm just like looking out at the table and I'm seeing multiple spots where Georgia could slip up and like this, this also goes back to me kind of not being willing to embrace the idea that Kirby smart has totally eradicated some of that Georgia DNA, you know, that the, the Georgia DNA that might creep up with the loss at South Carolina in week two. So I, you having to choose between 11 and one or 10 and two with four potential trip up spots. That's like, I I can't call exactly where it is, but that, that kind of has me on the under. I, I actually don't dis. I, mean, I kind of like your your pers- like I picked I picked it out to eleven and one, but to your point, like there are there are a lot of spots on the schedule: South Carolina, Missouri, LSU, Florida, Auburn, where where you could where you could absolutely envision a slip up, and so I think ten and two is reasonable too. So like I'm I'm at I'm at eleven to one. I'm I'm calling for an over an overplay, but I'm not. I'm not super uh, confident there. I mean, because they're still. Let's just see, talk about like what they are offensively, and that's you got to remember how good those running backs were, and you, and you can't just you can't just say DeAndre Swift and and just utter his name and expect him to be Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Like it's just that's not fair to him, and and then if there's a drop off there. All right, are we expecting a step forward out of Miko Hardman and Terry Godwin at wide receiver? I I don't necessarily have full confidence that that's going to happen. And then, all right, offensive line I think is an area where we can we can be comfortable that they're going to continue to take a step forward. So maybe that's where they 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 make up some gap. But then defensively, I mean, you're losing the heart and soul of your defense in Roquan Smith that had like 65 more tackles. Than your second best player, like on on defense, like he was, he he erased so much for them defensively. So all right, so where do you, where do you compensate there? Is 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 Monty Rice going to be Roquan Smith? I mean, no. So I do think that it, this is going to be fascinating to see if Kirby Smart is already to the point where it just doesn't matter who they lost, right? Because they've got someone ready to backfill. Because that's what Alabama like. You can say that for Alabama too, like, oh, who's going to replace whoever? Who's going to replace Minka? You know, who's going to replace Eddie Jackson or Ronnie Harrison or all these guys that have come through on defense? And they always just doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I don't know if we're at that point with Georgia yet. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure that we are either. And there's just there, like this. This Georgia team, to also by the way, you know, I'm I'm saying this, and it sounds like I'm down on them. If, I think that when we, I need I need to count up my uh, my picks to make sure, but I'm pretty sure that uh, if I do the geometry, as we said last in the last episode, I think I've, I've still got Georgia winning the East. And if you win the East at ten and two, and then you go win the SEC championship game, well, then you're probably the first two loss team in the college football playoff. Because there's no way, regardless of record, that the SEC champion is being left out of the college football playoff. So it's not like Georgia cannot accomplish uh, everything that it wants. If, if for example, uh, Georgia does lose at South Carolina, well, yeah, they've lost the head to South Carolina, but then South Carolina would have to 
go and run the table from there and not take some losses, which I think that they would later on in the season. So I, I, I think that Georgia still could very much reach all of its big goals, but man, it's, it, it is really asking a lot of Georgia to be able to maintain its level of production uh, with, with a lot of like, yeah, and, and you know what? He's going to step up, and he's going to step up, and I, I'm just not there yet with the Bulldogs. Yeah. You know, I've, a big a big a team I'm really having some issues with on their schedule is a, kind of a swing between 7-5, and 8-4 and four for LSU, and that, that Georgia game could swing – LSU to eight and four for me, and Georgia down to ten and two for me. Like that's that's a very losable game. So, anyways, yes, I, I agree with your ten and two. I'm sticking with my eleven one, um, but I think Georgia is is uh, uh, that's going to be that, that'll tell us a lot about uh, about Kirby Smart. Count them up. One of the teams on that. And this was uh, this was another one that we talked about potentially being a swing game. The Auburn Tigers. I think Auburn is a very, very good team. I think Auburn is one of the the better teams in the one of the better teams in the country and one of the best teams in the SEC. But man, it's a it's a nine win total, and I've got this one going push to maybe even under. I'm I'm on the other side, like push I'm to on, over. I'm on over. I'm on. I'm at ten and two. Oh, for you all. gave him Washington, didn't you? I get well, and look, that's. That is a very, like, not. It's not just like they might lose that game. Like I don't even know if they're are they even favored in that game. I don't know who's favored in that game. Uh, keep talking. I'll tell you in a second. Well, yeah, look it up. But I, I like where I'm at with Auburn though is all right. So I'm assuming they beat Washington, and if you assume they beat Washington, then that's a huge swing. Um, I've got them losing to Alabama, and I've got them losing at Mississippi State, uh, and that sort of those are their. You know the re- remaining season, they've got probably four games that are that look losable on the surface: LSU, Mississippi State, uh, Georgia, and Alabama. You can maybe throw A and M in there. So then I got them going like three and two in those five games, which I think is is fair if you assume they get past Washington. So where I'm at with Auburn is, I think Jarrett Stidham. We saw an uncomfortable Jarrett Stidham early in the season last year. We saw him get comfortable in the system. We saw the system get comfortable with him. The coaches feeling more confident and in, in, in the offensive line developing around him. And I think Jarrett Stidham takes a huge step forward this year and is a, an elite national quarterback. The receiving group will be improved. Offensive line, they've, that's the, my, kind of my one caveat is they did lose some, some beef up there and, and we got to, you know, expect them to bounce back but forget about the running back like Gus Malzahn always finds a running back always figures out how to how to produce in the in the run game so so while there's not that name there I think they'll be fine and then this is another team who is they are all of a sudden they the Auburn identity is no longer Gus Malzahn it's no longer the offense no, it's that not defensive right now. line it's that defensive line yeah and so if you got a, a defensive line that's that good and if you have one of the best quarterbacks that I'm that I think you have who I think will be one of the best quarterbacks in college football in Jared Stidham, then I just think ten and two is is a pretty reasonable expectation, assuming they get past that week one game, which is sort of a toss up. Do you get a line for me on that? Yeah, three point favorite for the Tigers. Yeah. 
Um, um, so I'm 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 just betting on Auburn being that good up front and that good at quarterback for everything to fall into place. And this again, like I wanted to preface it with, I think this is a really good team, and I think that they could beat Washington or Georgia. Like if if I'm predicting uh, that Georgia's gonna, you know, maybe maybe slip up somewhere along the way, like. That would that would be very that would be the the Georgia loss where Georgia's everything's good they got uh, the SEC East almost in hand Auburn's coming to town it's a home game and then Auburn goes in there and beats them and that is like that is not a crazy outcome to think that it might happen the only game I'm not willing to give Auburn is Alabama so I'm I'm sitting here on one hand saying push to under but uh, I also am recognizing that my prediction of like nine and three could be eleven and one. Uh, yeah. if, if, if you give them Georgia and Washington and, you know, I, I sided with Washington early and I, I remember I, I described on the PAC 12 podcast as kind of a, a Peterson season opener bet, but, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to entertain that that one's going to go either way. I don't, I don't, I do not imagine that's going to be a, a five-star blue plate special for me in week one, more one that I'm uh, just big, <laughs> big time invested in emotionally already. Nah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I will be staying away from that. I'm picking Auburn to win it, uh, but certainly with a three point spread, that could be an Auburn twenty four, uh, Washington twenty three type of just slugfest. So I'm I'm staying away from it. But I like the pieces at Auburn. Like I said, if the if the concern for a Gus Malzahn team is run game, then that's not a concern. That 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 fixes itself. And and the defensive line and the quarterback play are. When was the last time Gus Malzahn didn't have a great team when he had a great quarterback? He can turn a group. He, he can uh, if he has a quarterback, he's all right. So I, I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, while I've got these lines up right now, I'm going to throw you a, a. I'm going to throw you a sidewinder nomination for arguably one of the. We'll all watch it. Because of who's involved, but how excited are you for UCLA Cincinnati? <laughs> uh, <laughs> where does that where where's where does that come from? Uh, is, it's just like it's it's listed right above Washington Auburn on this odds list oh. that I've got right now, <laughs> and UCLA is favored by sixteen and a half, which tells me a lot about Cincinnati too. I know, right? Yeah, that is going to be Chip Kelly's like fool you game though, because he's going to blow out Cincinnati, and everyone's going to be like, "Wow, look at this Chip Kelly UCLA team! They are fun." Yeah, and then he's going to get into some real. He's going to get into Oklahoma two weeks later, and and just get absolute the doors blown off. <laughs> I mean, you yes, that is one hundred percent the way that's going to go. Uh, all right, we'll keep it moving. Count them up, Mississippi State, uh, number set at eight and a half, and. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump out on this one. I, I, the swing game for me at eight and a half is the egg bowl. Well, okay. So you think that that's going to be a toss up game? I I'm giving it to Ole Miss. Okay. I, I would be okay with that. But the reason I disagree with that, the reason I'm not, I don't have a hard time picking Mississippi state is because at that point, um, Ole Miss is going to be, if they've got any injuries at all, they're not playing very good players. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that, that's true. That one through twenty-two, Ole Miss is really good. 
But if they get to the 25th and 26th and 29th and 30th player, that's not. I don't think that's a good thing for this team. So if this was week one, I'd feel better about Ole Miss. But like week November 22nd, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about Mississippi State. I've I got Mississippi State at nine and three on the over. So I'm I'm four for four on over so far here. Um, I got Mississippi State nine and three hitting over. I've actually got them losing at Kansas State, which I, I actually sort of I'm gonna I'm gonna back off of. I, I I've changed my mind on that. So they they I'm actually looking at ten and two right now. They could slip up against an LSU or a Florida or somewhere else along the way and still get to nine and three. And and still hit the over. I, th- I think would, at LSU is an LSU win. I th- I think that's. Oh, I'm sorry. You got you got that as an LSU win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it absolutely could be an LSU win. You got the Mullen Bowl on there. I mean, this is and this is another instance where I felt like I was approaching it like Auburn, where I'm really really excited about Mississippi State. The number just seems really high, and then all uh, you know, I get I told if if I go the other way on the Egg Bowl and give it to Mississippi State, I'm at nine and three with you. So we're not that far off on this one. Yeah, I I just think people are gonna are, are continuing to undervalue Mississippi State because it's Mississippi State, and they're and they're not acknowledging that Mississippi State has two of the best defensive linemen in the in the league, Jeffrey in Montez Simmons. Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, you know they've got they've got this loaded defense with eight starters returning. They've got a loaded offense with nine starters returning and a quarterback. Who even if Nick Fitzgerald isn't 100 percent, like Keaton Thompson can come in and and be a guy, you know they've got and, and and as talented as Mississippi State is, and they're legit talented. All right, so maybe you got questions about Joe Moorhead. I think SEC folks probably don't have a a, a, a great familiarity with Joe Moorhead, but I think one thing that that makes me, I mean, a I watched what he did at Penn State and and, and I thought he was awesome, but B like when you talk to people around the Penn State program and they sort of comment on what they think Joe Moorhead will be like it's not abnormal for a guy to leave and the people that just got done working with him could be like oh yeah you know he's pretty good like i think he's got a chance to be successful or man i'm rooting for him or or oh man he that guy like he's overrated the uh, across the board the Penn State people are like huh. That guy's the real deal. Like that, watch out for him. Like he's going to be really good, you know. And so, yeah. if you got a really good coach that is inheriting a really good roster, I just think there's there is there's there's this sort of Mississippi anti Mississippi State bias, I guess, that just people assume that it's sort of a second tier program in the league. I think this is a team that can is right there with with Auburn and Georgia and. LSU, if you want to throw them in there, but as those sec, those not that non-Alabama tier in the SEC this year. So I, I got them nine and three, maybe ten and two. I mean, they all right. So they get Auburn and Florida in Starkville. Um, they they could win one or both of those games, maybe. Sure. No, they could absolutely win both of them. I mean, they, I mean, Starkville is not a. When 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 Mississippi stays good, Starkville is a tough place to play. I spent too much like in in my uh, time uh, spent preparing for this. I spent too much time trying to decide whether uh, Dan Mullen was going to have 
all of the secrets on Nick Fitzgerald or whether the hype around the atmosphere, like I couldn't decide where the intangible advantage was going to go with that one, but I am so excited for that game. Yeah. No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good game. It will get to Florida, but Florida's better than people realize too. He's like, uh, I don't, on paper, and especially after last season, Florida's defense doesn't looks looks less than what I think my head imagines a Florida defense to be. But that that for some reason I still just imagine Mullen sticking his head in uh, for film sessions during that week and just like telling the weak side linebacker he's going to be like, okay, now now when he looks here, you just yeah. go and sit. And he'll throw the ball right to you, right in the numbers. Just go sit right, right there, and a right. bunch of like tiny little quirks like that. Um, anyway, let's 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 take it right there. Florida actually is next. Count them up. Florida's number set at seven and a half. Um, I've got this one on the schedule. I think that we get a four and zero start with wins over Kentucky and Florida. I mean Kentucky and Tennessee. Then we've got that Mississippi State game, uh, the LSU game, Georgia, Vanderbilt. I think that between Mississippi State, LSU, and Georgia, they probably take two losses. And so then we get into this really dicey final frame for Florida, which I think is is really fun. Uh, both Missouri and South Carolina are coming to Gainesville, but then they also go to Tallahassee against Florida State. It's, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Florida's better than most people expect. I was going through the schedule and I found myself uh, kind of going, oh, I don't know about that one. And still, four and zero, two and two, two and two. Uh, that gets me to eight and four, and that's an over against the Vegas number. Yeah, uh, I'm at. I, this is I'm five for five on overs. I'm I'm at nine and three. Wow. Yeah, I I, I was surprised I got there. Honestly, I wouldn't expect. But then I started looking at this this Florida roster, and I don't man, it like this is. They were starting. They were turned nineteen starters, and this defense, like they still are, pretty loaded in the secondary. I mean, Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner Johnson has been around now for a while and has made a lot of plays. Marco Wilson and C.J. Henderson are both really good long corners. I think up. I mean, uh, Jabari Zuniga, C.C. Jefferson. Like you just like when I run down the the, the roster, they've got players. And then offensively, I think that's been that's been the question, right? All right, so let's not just assume Dan Mullen can just wave a magic wand, and and this roster and they're better on offense. He's going to help, but I am. I've always been of the opinion that Felipe Franks was going to take time. We had him ranked in the top 100 in in the 24/7 Sports rankings coming out of high school, and yet I said publicly like he won't be ready right away. It's going to take time. All right. So now we're entering year three of his college football career. Whether Dan Mullen arrived or not, this was going to the year be the year that he started to get that he started to like look like a real quarterback. And that's why l- last year it was silly for them to ever go a, tr- a grad transfer route or not just sort of ride Felipe Franks and let him get the, that that burn and let him let him develop because it was always going to take time. And last year was just part of the developmental process. So I am not calling Felipe Franks an, an elite top-tier quarterback in college football, but he's going to be so much more competent, I think, than we're used to seeing. So then you got Van Jefferson showing up. 
you know, you got Kadarius Tony taking a step forward. Tyree Cleveland, big fast guy on the outside. All their offensive line is coming back. I just, I'm sort of like wondering where this, all this doubt of, from Florida came from. I, I know it was a bad year last year, but what a mess it was, you know? Yeah. I, I just think, like you said, 4 0 to start. I got them losing to Mississippi State. I got them beating LSU at home, beating Vanderbilt. Like that's, Starting six and one, I think, is a is not a stretch at all. But I mean, then, again, you, then it gets tough. Agree, like, yeah, yeah, no, I've I've got it. I said between Mississippi State, LSU, and Georgia, and then Vanderbilt's the other part of that. I think that's two and two, and I'm not sure exactly which of the two losses it is. But yeah, so that's two and two. So even if it's two and two, then you're you're looking at you're looking at the home stretch of the season. You're looking at Missouri at home, South Carolina home, at Florida State. And you are six and two heading into that that last four games, and is it hard to believe that they can beat Missouri, South Carolina at home, and then lose to Florida State or some combination of that? Like, I think that sounds pretty reasonable to me too. So I, I, I guess the the doubt that Florida will be a good football team, which is basically what you're saying. Like, if, if the number seven and five, and you're going under. You're basically saying they're not that good, right? Because you're going to get your you're going to get your non-conference wins anyways. So you're basically saying Florida's not, not that good, and so they can't you know they can't get four wins in conference. I don't know. I, I'm 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 going to say Florida is good. Dan Mullen's a good coach. They have better talent than people realize. I'm going to say they comfortably get over seven and a half. They won ten games in 2015 and nine games in 2016. Where did the seven and a half come from? Yeah. See, I I would have set this number at eight or eight and a half, and then I would have had to really sweat and make some tough decisions. Right. Seven Agreed. seven and a half did not. You know, it it'll be this is this is really fun and interesting because we're looking not at, we're looking at the immediate impact, but also a little bit with the knowledge of uh, Dan Mullen and and knowing like. Dan Mullen just spent a long time in Starkville. Like this is year one of what I assume is going to be minimum seven or eight seasons in Florida. Sure. Yeah. So it's I we'll see. I, I I'm glad to hear that you're on that same page too because seven and a half too low for me. And by the way, Florida didn't even seem to like dip a toe into the grad transfer recruitments of like Joe Burrow. Like it didn't they. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any inside info about like what they think of Felipe Franks. I just know that it appears they're comfortable with him as a starter. There's there's zero chance Emory Jones is a starter. If anybody, Kyle Trask could beat him out. But I I think that again, when we're talking about the natural evolution of a raw quarterback to begin with, year three makes sense for them to take a step forward anyway. So like, there's just if that's your big knock on Florida is they don't have a quarterback I, I just think you should you should be careful uh, if, if you're if you're banking on an under based on that Count them up. your Missouri Tigers number set at seven and a half the Purdue game was a big one for me you know I I, uh, I said in the Big Ten podcast that I, I'm going to give that to Purdue but I could see that going the other way um but then, man, I, I look elsewhere. There's at South Carolina. Missouri draws Alabama. That's really tough. Uh, you're at Florida. Throw Georgia on there. 
and I and I am looking at an improved Missouri team that could be very very dangerous, and I I keep coming up seven and five. So you know the you know where they, I've actually got them. Don't on say the ledger, that. I've got them over another over at eight and four, but the the swing to me is I've got them beating both Purdue and Memphis, and those are. They could split those. If they split those, they're suddenly under. You know, if they lose both, then they're they're clearly under. Uh, but that, to me, that's the that's where the season swings. But I I think Missouri is going to be really good. I think the, the Drew Lock. I think like the the big question mark for Missouri is like I don't think that the Derek Dooley hired offensive coordinator is of concern when it comes to the offense that they'll be putting together, the offense they're running, you know, how it fits their system. I think it'll help their defense from a tempo standpoint. It's the question is like, he's never been a play caller. So how is he as a play caller? But this is another team. When you look at what they bring back, their whole offensive line, a running back who rushed for, you know, to, a pair of running backs that rush for over a thousand yards combined. Uh, Emmanuel Hall, who I know for sure is highly regarded in NFL circles at receiver, you know, and Drew Locke, who is who is an absolute dude at, at quarterback. And then on defense, like they've got Terry Beckner, they've got Jordan Elliott, the transfer from Texas, who's gotten rave reviews. They've got you know a bunch of guys returning on the back end. Uh, I I just think. This is another team when you're talking about, how, you know, Barry Odom has, it took him some time to get this thing figured out. It took him time to get a coach. Um, I think Missouri is is a lot better than people realize. I know that last year, the way things closed could be a little misleading because of the teams they played, but I think Missouri is ready this year to actually play toe-to-toe with some really good teams and 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 either beat them or, or get awfully close. So I, this is a good team. I'm going over, uh, even though that number's tough, given their, their non-conference slate and some games that are losable. Even Wyoming's is, is, is a pretty decent team. So it, I was going to say, you're uh, so you think Memphis at Missouri, that's, I mean, that seems like a game where over-under is going to be set at 64 and a half. Right. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be one where like Drew Locke has to outduel somebody. But Drew I like Locke has I like outduel Mike Norvell, and I think he's I think Drew Locke is that good this year. Uh, so who do you have for Missouri at South Carolina? I got South Carolina beating them. So I got South- Alabama beating them. I got Georgia beating them. I got Florida beating them. But I've got Missouri beating. You know, like I said, I got them beating Purdue and Memphis. I got them beating Kentucky. I got them beating Vandy, Tennessee, and I got them beating Arkansas last game of the year. Like those are all games I think they'll be favored in. Right. Uh, so again, I'm I'm on the under, but those the only one that I, I've added to that is uh, Purdue. I think it's the losses are Georgia at South Carolina at Alabama at Florida, but again, a very good Missouri team. Yeah, seven and a half. That's a so I, I feel like Missouri at seven and a half, and then here, our next team, South Carolina. How many games are going to win this fall? South Carolina set at seven. 
I also have South Carolina winning that game. Uh, it's in Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina. But I, I also think that I've got South Carolina maybe a notch or a notch and a half higher than Missouri in a vacuum. And so may, maybe my the South Carolina schedule's tough. Again, over under is set at seven. They've got Clemson on the schedule. At Ole Miss is not going to be easy. I mean, they've they've got. Uh, I think the Texas A and M game is really tricky and tough to call. But even if they take it on the chin a couple times at the end of the year, where the schedule is tough, and even if they lose to Georgia, I I've still got South Carolina finishing eight and four. Well, I've actually got them nine and three. <laughs> How? What? Where does the math add up on this? I know. I'm I'm sitting here surprised at it too. But if if I mean, you picked every game, so I'm not, you know, like I can't yeah. can't call BS so, on this. So the, the thing about it, like here's the nice thing about South Carolina is for the toss-up game, the losable games, like Missouri is losable, A&M is losable. I think even Tennessee is losable. Um, you know, I, they're, they're all at home. And even Georgia is winnable, and that's at home. Um, and so I got them losing to Georgia. I've got them going 3-1 and one in the non-conference, losing to Clemson. Winning at Vanderbilt, winning at Kentucky. Winning at Ole Miss? Winning Missouri at home, winning Texas A&M at home, which is, a, which is not an easy game. Correct. Winning at Ole Miss, because again, I get to like, I, I got to think attrition hits them a little bit, Ole Miss, late in the year, and, and South Carolina is going to be physical if nothing else. And so, and then I got them losing at Florida. So, while I, I guess this is an optimistic view of South Carolina's season, I once again, I don't find it to be that that far fetched. <laughs> like, uh, and and so this is a this South Carolina team is another one where it's like, all right, well, how, where are we at with Will Muschamp? What do we? What's our level of belief in Will Muschamp? Because he's got a lot of guys coming back. He's got a quarterback. He's got a defense that Debo is, Samuel's is, back. He's got Debo Samuel's back. Samuel back. Um. I, I just think, you know, guys like Javon Kinlaw, Kier Thomas, like they will be physical up front. And I, I just I do have some faith in, in Will Muschamp with a quarterback on his roster and he's got one. So I think this is a step forward to South Carolina. I could see eight and four. I, I just I don't see six and six, I'll tell you that much. Like this is another one. Like I comfortably am telling you, they're not gonna go six and six. Just not. So I feel good about the over in the sense that it's not going to be a losing ticket. Could it push? Sure. It's not going to be a losing ticket. Free money. And by, and by the way, last I saw this somewhere. The the juice on the over was at like minus 130. Yeah. Very, very the, the odds makers very much understand the uh that the this is a push to over situation in, in like most worst case scenarios for the Gamecocks. Count them up. Uh, speaking of pushed over, that's where I've got Texas A&M. Texas A&M's number also set at seven. Jimbo Fisher coming in to take over the Aggies. the The roster that's in place, there there are talented players. Like this, this is where you know you can go back to the the twenty four seven Sports total team composite. But yeah, you know what? Like there are dudes that are there. Uh, there there are players that um, you know were in that Belk Bowl shootout. 
that were showing up that were going to be coming back the next year. I, I go through the schedule, the Clemson game, even though it's at home, I'm, I'm counting that as a definite loss at Alabama, at Auburn. Those I've got those at loss, so we're at three. And then I'm looking at this trio of games at South Carolina, at Mississippi State, home against LSU. And, it, and I don't think it's crazy to assume that they could get one, maybe two of those games, though I think it more more often than not, when I simulate it in my head, I'm falling back to seven and five. So I say push to over, but I, I'm really leaning more towards push here. Right. I'm I'm at push. I would I would like I like over more than I like under. Uh, but I think seven and five feels like the the record that we're gonna get this year. You know, and and that was sort of my perspective going into this team, but this is another one where as you really look at it, like they've turned eight starters on both sides of the ball. I mean, they've got Nick Starkle is a is a very sound quarterback. Um, they've got a really good running back. They've got a go-to receiver in Jamon Osmond. They've got a, an offensive line that's that's very good. They return eighteen of their top twenty tacklers um, with a an improvement at defensive coordinator and Mike Elko. <laughs> uh so i it's it's like this is another one this is a little bit like florida in the sense that it feels like no one really is 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 talking about texas a&m and then when you really look at the pieces that they're going to try it out on the field they're not that bad right pretty pretty good so i'm going seven and five but i this is another one where i feel like eight and four is more likely than six and six and this is another one where, I mean, when when Auburn has to play Texas A&M or something, I mean, that's you, you maybe you maybe you know tallying up a win for Auburn, but Texas A&M can take out anybody, maybe not named Alabama, but like this is a team, especially at home, who's going to be trouble for some for some teams. Right, and that and that's where uh, when I was looking for the potential you know, thinking about Alabama, I was like, well, that game's in Tuscaloosa. That game's in College Station. Maybe I'm like, I don't know. You know, Texas A&M might be able to go out there and get them. But it it just, the way that the rotation falls with at Alabama, at Auburn, this doesn't seem like the year that Texas A&M has nabbed somebody from the top of the SEC West. Right. It just feels, yes. They're, but they're good enough to play with everyone. Do you believe in this team going to actually knock an Auburn or an Alabama or even a Mississippi State off? That That's just a little harder to get to. Right. Count them up! Uh, LSU, also at seven. A team that I, I've mentioned earlier on this podcast, I, I, I think that LSU could beat Alabama in that huge game in November down in Baton Rouge. Uh, it would be Ed Ogeron's masterpiece. Uh, he has he has kept things somewhat together. He has gone through all kinds of staff turnover. They landed Joe Burrow, or as he said at SEC Media Days yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, by the way, Joe Burrow. And I'll, I'll be looking forward to hearing him call him Joe Burrow for the entire season. I want to like LSU. I like LSU. The number set at seven. Barton, I kept coming back to push to under. Yeah. I'm at well. I'm at seven and five, and I've got them beating Miami to get to that seven and five. 
And so, yes, they could lose that and easily be 6-6. Six and six, But at the same time, I've got them losing to Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama. And any of those could be flipped in the other direction too because LSU is talented enough to beat anybody. And I do think that Joe Burrow, the addition of Joe Burrow, is a legitimate, significant, critical piece. Like he, they are better with Joe Burrow on the roster. And I think he will be a better Danny Etling. I think he's – I don't expect him to be wide-eyed and scared when all those Alabama freaks are, are bearing down on him. I think, I think he's athletic. I think he's accurate. I think he's a coach's son. I think he's smart. I think he'll be ready to roll. So that is an upgrade. The question I have is, all right, all we've been hearing from LSU camp is how good their wide receivers are and that they're going to distribute the ball to them. Okay, well, I guess you better because this is not a team where you can just hand it hand to Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis. And expect yeah. him to make something out of it. I mean, so can that offense make that sort of a transition? I, I'm just the, – the, the spell – of, of offensive football is, is, is still on down there in Baton Rouge. And until, until I'm, it's clear that, that that spell has been cast off, I'm just not ready to go there. Defensively, they'll be great. But they play some really good teams on this schedule. So I, I'm at 7-5. and five. I could see either way. I could see 6-6. Six and six. I can see 8-4 and four better. Um, but... I think this team could surprise some people, but my expectation is seven and five. So they get Georgia and Alabama at home. Feels like they could get one of those two. Absolutely. Uh, the Florida game's another one that could turn, but the way that I counted up, I had Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, Florida, and Texas A&M. That takes you to six and six. I'm not guaranteed. Like It doesn't feel like all those are definitely going to not go LSU's way, but just not... It's a, it's a tough schedule. Miami, by the way, favored by two and a half right now. Yeah. In that opener. Count them up! Chad Morris takes over at Arkansas. And this is a... The number is set at six. And I kind of found myself comfortably going under. Right. So I think the way my, my uh, prognostications worked is... We're about to hit a bunch of unders. Yeah, all the all the top teams are all over, and the bottom teams are all under. Like, and uh, and this is one of those. And I'm not saying I don't think that I think Chad Morris is the right hire. And I think he's he's a good coach, but I don't know, man. I don't I don't see them beating Auburn, Texas A&M, Alabama, LSU, Mississippi State, Missouri. Just I don't, don't. I don't see him beating North Texas. There you go. I mean. <laughs> North, That's very possible. North Texas is a very good football team right now. And how about Colorado State playing all these SEC teams? I don't know about that. Um, I got yelled at for picking Colorado State over Colorado, so go Rams. I know. I know. I had to defend myself and say it, I didn't pick them. It's, well, I mean, you know what? It's Mike Bobo, right? That's Mike right. Bobo He's, wanting to yeah, schedule SEC teams. Let's go hang out with all his boys. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, yeah, he's, he's telling his team right now, he's like, you, you boys – you boys need to go play some SEC teams. <laughs> Soft Fort Collins kids. Like with Arkansas, I don't think Cole Kelly is the guy for Chad Morris's offense. So I think they're going to survive with him. And maybe Connor Nolan gets a shot as a true freshman. 
maybe that happens down the road during the season. Um, and and while they've got some good players on defense like Telvin Agum and and Drake Greenlaw, and I, they're, they're not the same dudes as Alabama and A and M have and Mississippi State and Auburn. So I think that this is the first year of the Chad Morris reconstruction and they they go under and then next year when they have a new starter at quarterback after a year in the system and time to overtake Cole Kelly they'll be better and they'll be scarier and they'll creep that win total up a little bit but uh, year one I think it's it's too much of a change system coach personnel to make that that jump to where they're actually beating teams count them up Ole Miss is also set at six. Uh, I've got over here, but the your conversation about attrition has me starting to rethink that big time because I've got them basically three and three start, two and two in the next stretch. And if they're suffering the kind of attrition that any team who plays in the SEC, especially the SEC West, is going to be facing, asking them to, 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 to win – those last two games, including the Egg Bowl, uh, maybe I need to start backing it up. But officially, I, I'm giving the Egg Bowl to Ole Miss. Uh, I'm giving it. You know why I'm giving it to Ole Miss? Because because Matt Luke loves Ole Miss. Matt Luke loves <laughs> Ole Miss more than Joe Moorhead loves Mississippi State. It is not emotionally possible for Joe Moorhead to love Mississippi State and for Joe Moorhead to care about the Egg Bowl as much as Matt Luke loves Ole Miss and cares about that Egg Bowl. So I'm going to stand by it. Give give me push to under on Ole Miss maybe, at six. Maybe Matt Luke's going to be too busy just being being caught up in the pageantry of that week, and Joe Moore is actually going to be in the film room that's studying true. plays. Maybe, roll. I yeah, I, I got a five and seven under. I think this is going to be one of the most enjoyable offenses to watch in college football. Their offensive line is really good. Uh, their receiving core is as good as there is in college football with A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, who is a freak, DeMarcus Lodge, who is is not talked about as much but is also really, really good. And then the guy that's that's just the the beast on this group that is, is going to have a breakout year is Dawson Knox, the tight end. Um, so I think that that offense is just it's, – it's as advertised. But there's a big problem with Jordan Tom who gets hurt. A quarterback because Matt Corral, the backup, is not there yet as a true freshman, and they don't have much behind him. And then defensively, they're just not going to be great. I mean, they they don't have a whole lot up front, um, and they're going to give up a lot of points. And so I think this is going to be a team that has to outscore teams. I think they will early on. I've got them beating Texas Tech, which will go either way. I've got them beating Arkansas, which will go either way. But I don't have them beating the LSU's and the Auburns and the South Carolinas and A&M's and, and Mississippi State's. I even have them losing that Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt typically does pretty well against Ole Miss traditionally. So all that to say, it'll be a fun ride, but five and seven feels right. South Carolina and Auburn both at home. Are those the sort of the, the spots where you might find Ole Miss be able to go get somebody? Uh, they could absolutely get South Carolina. I I just I wonder if they can get a team like Auburn who's going to be so physical and 
who is going to control the football, control the pace. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this team can beat any. This team will be scary for Alabama because they just have so much skill. And I, I mean, look, Alabama's week three, and if you want to like, if you want to look at a team. That's that, a team. That's a team that's going to make Alabama's offense have to hit its best gear, right? And if you think about where Alabama could be weak this year, potentially in the secondary, all right. Well, you got to have a bunch of young freshmen and sophomores that are have to chase around AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Like, there's going to be some fifty-fifty balls. Jordan Tomlin just throws up the sideline, and DK Metcalf just goes up and, and rebounds over over whoever Alabama's got out there at corner. So, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not calling for an upset, but like that's one of those spots where even Alabama has got to be really ready for that game because Ole Miss is going to test them. Um, now I don't know how they. I don't know on the flip side. I don't know how Ole Miss ha- handles Alabama's run game, but <laughs> that 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 we, we've seen craziness happen before in Ole Miss Alabama. Uh, Texas Tech a two and a half point favorite in that opener, by the way, and. It just sounds like Ole Miss is the Texas Tech of the eight, of the SEC this year. I think that's fair. That's a great. I, I love when openers work for the playing their narrative roles respectively. How many games y'all gonna win this fall? Uh, all right, Jeremy Pruitt. All right, we're gonna roll up our sleeves. All right. <laughs> Tennessee's number set at five and a half. We got. Uh, you know how does does Keller Christ come into Tennessee bring you any confidence, Barton? No, I mean it doesn't make them like he could win the job, but you said five and a half. He could win the job, but it doesn't make them a significantly better team, in my opinion. They're like sixteen and a half point underdogs to West Virginia in the opener. Wow, um, that's a big number. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm going under. I, th- I think this is a five and seven team. I think it's a five and seven team too. I mean, this is another one where, when you're ch- when you're changing a coach, that's one thing. But when you're changing a system and when you're changing a culture, that's that's something different altogether. Like they're changing from uh, an even front defense to an odd front defense. They're changing from a kind of a spread type attack to a decidedly pro style physical downhill attack. They're trying to find bigger backs to replace their smaller backs. They're trying to move, you know, defensive ends to outside linebacker. They're trying to develop and grow toughness within the program. There, it's just a, there's just a lot of moving pieces here. And there could be some really positive moments this year. But if you're confidently going over in this one, then, then you are, uh, you know something I don't know. I mean, it's just a, uh, it's it's hard to see it happening. It's hard to have the expectation that it happens in year one. I'm not saying you can't see it happening. It's hard to have that expectation in year one. So I've got uh, Missouri as a loss, but I recognize, especially uh, with the mentality that this Tennessee team, you know, depending on injuries, could be much better at the end of the season or much yeah. more cohesive at the end of the season. That home finale against Missouri, I recognize as because you get Kentucky and Missouri, you know, Charlotte, Kentucky, Missouri to close the year, all those three games at home, if they are better and if they've got things going, the bye week is already come and gone. 
that could be an opportunity to get three wins late in the season. I mean, Vanderbilt after that, you could they could finish the year on a great note with four straight wins, but before then, I mean, like that's that the Missouri game is the one. Again, I gave it to Missouri and I've got Tennessee at five and seven, but I could see Tennessee winning that to finish uh six and six, and that that would be incredible and so valuable for Tennessee to get those extra bowl practices moving forward. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a big accomplishment, and that's what they. I think really that's what you have to. That's what you're hoping for. Just hoping for for a bowl, um, and it's that's achievable. But I wouldn't expect it, and uh, and I just think there is so much going on over there, so much change. You know, and then then you look at look the, the middle of their slate is Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina. I know there's a bye week in there, but good luck getting out of there fresh and clean right right that's uh, that's what i'm saying is like you for that fourth quarter home stretch like they get two they, they get two wins early and then they've got some some w- opportunities late but if things fall apart it could be a three-win season yeah uh tough stuff kentucky Count them up. five and a half is the number they get central michigan and murray state middle tennessee in Louisville out of conference. And then I just, I, I found it tough to find SEC wins home against Vanderbilt. I think is the only one I'm giving them. Yeah. Uh, that's the only one I gave them to under, uh, I went on, un- I'm under. Yeah. My, my, I think if they had a quarterback, I would be, I would have some confidence that they could really shake things up, upset some teams. Cause the defense will be good. Benny Snell is one of the best running backs in the in the conference. They've got a good offensive line. You know, Lynn Bowden now with you know year two in the system has got a chance to be a really good receiver. Uh, they, I mean, they they have I think particularly. I mean, look both sides really when you really dig into it, they've got players. <clears throat> but who's going to be the quarterback? And there's I just don't think there's a guy on the roster that makes me feel good about their their chances to win. Uh, in a conference where there's there really isn't a bad team in the SEC, and so where where is those you know where is those where are those wins you could I could I could see them beat in Tennessee, uh, I, you know so I I've got them winning four games I could I've got them losing at Louisville that's a swing game could be five I've got them losing at Tennessee that's a swing game could be six I have a hard time finding something beyond that but even i i i think that at five and a half like you've you you gave them a couple swing games to get to six and i think that speaks to where like the hard ceiling for kentucky in terms of a win total yeah i'm going under i've got them at five and seven with the with very much the premise that they there's not even great upset opportunities there well, here's here's what I will say about Kentucky though is they even like when they when didn't they beat, ap- when they didn't beat Florida last year I sold some Kentucky stock. But when when Kentucky wins, they do it in ways that are unpredictable and ugly, and so it's hard to to find wins on paper. But I will give with Mark Stoops and this team credit like they've they've managed to to squeeze out some wins that they had no business putting together just by like playing some wildcat quarterback with Benny Snell or like 
you know, getting some some fourth down stops or, you know, just sort of weird grinded out type of success. And so I could see them figuring it out against like a Missouri or figuring it out against South Carolina or somebody like that. Um, it's just it's just hard to have a ton of confidence relative to the rest of the SEC. And bringing things home, it is Barton Simmons, Vanderbilt Commodores. Buddy, not a lot of uh, not a lot of friendly, not a lot of friendly matchups on this. What's the Vegas number here? Four. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think Nevada's a gimme. I, I mean, I, I think they'll beat Middle Tennessee. I can't promise so, you they'll beat Middle that, Tennessee. That, yeah, but that will be a challenge. Uh, um, that will be tough. And they draw Notre Dame. So Vanderbilt is. <clears throat> As like as much as you, I just sort of automatically pencil in under here. Well, I don't know. I guess four. That's I've got them at. I've got them at four wins. Um, so I guess I'm saying push. Uh. So, the thing about Vanderbilt that's that's tough to really just sort of dismiss this team in the SEC is that I think this will be the best offense Derek Mason's had. At, for a few reasons, one. Kyle Shermer, senior year, like he's he's been steadily improved every year, and I do think he is a. In most SEC years, he is an upper tier quarterback. It's hard to put him in the upper tier this year because you're comparing him to Drew Locke and Tua and Jake Fromm, and uh, some some guys that are upper tier nationally. Jared you, Stidham. Well, all right. Do you think that uh, where do you think Shermer is against Jake Bentley? I think he is as good. Same same tier. Wow. It's Jake Bentley. Same tier as Felipe Franks? I think if you uh, – Felipe Franks is still working to get it with those guys, I think. Okay. But like if you flip Shermer with Bentley, if you flip Shermer with Franks, like I think I think Florida's better. I think South Carolina isn't worse and Vanderbilt isn't better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I got you. It's sort of the same thing. And so I think now, – now Bentley's got a little more athleticism. I'll give him that. But I think Shermer – if he can get if he can get protection, he's a really good quarterback. And this offensive line will be out of Vanderbilt's probably best offensive line, uh, at least the best offensive line of the last few years. And then I think Keyshawn Vaughn is a the transfer from Illinois is a better running back than Ralph Webb. Even knowing all the records. Yeah, I was Ralph about to Webb say, said, I was, I was going to wonder if Ralph Webb was addition by subtraction because he carried so much of the load. That it almost became, I don't know, maybe that's just from like an analyst point of view, but. Ralph Webb's just statistics to me. Like he was never, like I, I would be surprised, like even though I think the rest of the SEC respected Ralph Webb, I'd be surprised if any SEC defensive coordinator was like, couldn't get, couldn't get sleep because they had to figure out a way to stop Ralph Webb. I think he just was a tough back that, that found and, and sort of dug out yards. Keyshawn Vaughn has like big play explosiveness. He's got pass game versatility. Like he is, I think, has a chance to be really special. Now the the problem with Vandy is, which is sort of the weirdly the problem it's always been with Vandy is, is who are the perimeter threats that can threaten an SEC defense? Right. Who can create separation for Kyle Shermer to get him the football? And that's always been a problem. And I don't see necessarily a guy that I'm super confident in answering that this year. So that's that's my hold up offensively, and then defensively, 
Charles Wright is a big-time guy, but beyond that, I don't know that anyone stepped up and proven that they are kind of a, a unique SEC talent. There's some, there's some options, like Jawan Williams is pretty good, Ladarius Wiley is pretty good, but who's again, who's scaring an SEC offensive coordinator other than Charles Wright? I think Vandy's had better defenses. So push sauce, push. Yeah, I'm push going me three and nine. Three and nine. I don't, I don't push, like bagging yeah. on Vanderbilt because if they go three and nine, I'll be that'll that'll be curious. I'll be curious what the what the tenor and the temperature is like on uh, Derek Mason's seat. You know whether that starts to people start to get restless. Right now, there's there's almost like a, a, a indifference, maybe the wrong word, but like I can't. It, 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 people are all over the map on whether or not they believe in Derek Mason in, in Nashville. The uh, it it's tough because James Franklin rewrote the expectations. Yeah, and I'll say this about Vanderbilt too: James Franklin did something smart. He play he, he scheduled wins in the offseason or in the in the non conference. And and Derek Mason came in and scheduled Notre Dame. That's great. They're gonna go to Notre Dame. That'll be a great experience for the guys. They'll play on national television, whatever. They're not gonna win that game. And if you want to go to a bowl, and if you're looking at a four Vegas win total at four, and somehow you get to five, and the difference between that bowl game and those extra practices was a Notre Dame schedule versus UMass then what was the point? Right. So I, that, that's, I think that, you know, if they're, if they're, look, think about it. I mean, they're, they're numbers five. If they, if if that's a UMass instead of Notre Dame. And then all of a sudden the over under is the difference between going to a bowl and not. And right now it's just the difference between getting to five wins and getting to three. Mm. Well, that wraps up the sec. What's going to be coming up next. Well, that's going to be Notre Dame. Some group of five schools. Uh, we'll be hitting on, uh, UCF, Boise State, um, we'll, we'll, Barton, we'll get together. Any any particular group of five teams that you've got your uh, your eye on? FAU, of course. Um, now, now, now we earn our money here. We got we got to dig in and figure out who the right ones to talk about are because there's there's a lot of options. There's some there's some MAC teams out there. They want to you know they want to mess around with. I don't know. I got a lot of work to do here between now and our next pod. I'm glad you're going going to media days and give me a little time to. To, to dig in yeah I, I will be at uh acc media days here for a couple days for uh the rest of the week for the most part and then we got the british open so we'll be back with you next week um with the notre dame and group of five followed by our win totals lock spot with tom fernelli uh we'll start getting the usual cast of characters in here as always please subscribe review and rate let us know what you like. We have been loving the commentary. Uh, I know y'all are asking for the, the camp buzz. It'll be coming once camp opens. Don't worry. Players that are making a buzz will be back. Um, it, it, it's all coming. The season's here. Uh, Barton Simmons, thank you so much for your hard work on the Southeastern Conference. Deserve. <laughs>